We are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's going to be spring. You know that? I've circled a word in uh, this passage that we read. I circled a word because that's what I want to focus on this morning. Now, I didn't, I didn't circle two words because there's a little word in front of it that uh, says just the opposite of what Paul is trying to explain to us in this passage. And it has something to do, and though Paul doesn't talk about a flower pot or seeds, zinnia seeds, or string beans, but uh, he's talking about something that has to do with these, and that's found in the word that I circled, a word that uh, people will die without, and if they have it, they can endure extreme persecution, extreme pain, uh, this word, it's, it's really important, and I, and I hope that by the time, and Sarah even sang these, when she started and sang her first word, she sang this word, uh, and, and I hope that you see it in this passage, and I hope that maybe you will even take a pen and circle it. And I hope that you don't forget it, and I hope that you think about it when you are planting your gardens, and I I hope that you realize that this is an important part of your life this week and today. So I hope you get it. Do you know what word it is? Hope. Hope, of course it is. I circled that hope, but I didn't circle no hope. That's the way it appears in verse 13 at the end. I didn't circle the no, I circled the hope, because that is the emphasis that Paul wants to give these people in Thessalonica. Now, we, uh, to this church family, we, we had a great time in Cozumel, and I know you pronounce it Cozumel, we pronounce it Cozumel, and you cringe when we say it, and I, we, we, I, we don't care how you pronounce it, uh, uh, we say it this way because the people down there, or at least the store owners and the people we get acquainted with, that's the way they pronounce it, Cozumel, so uh, that's what we pronounce it. But we, we had a great time while we were there. We were able to do uh, lots of things, and we were able to get lots of rest, and, and uh, I don't remember the last time we ever slept 11 hours in one time. You know, that was, that was great. I don't want it to become a habit, though. I won't get anything done here, but it was... Uh, Good, but down there, we, we took uh, some Bibles to, to different people. We, we know a number of shopkeepers, have known them for years, that we've become friends with them. And uh, a restaurant, uh, one eating place, uh, we've known them for years and years, watched their kids grow up, and, and so we eat there every day, and uh, he just fixes whatever we want. We get tired of Mexican food. He fixes something that tastes good. Uh, just, just saying, sorry. If you like Mexican food, I'm sorry about that. Um, but while we were there, so we, we, we took uh, 
some of these Bibles around. And one was a, uh, it was a Bible in cartoon. And I know that's, we were never allowed to have a comic book when we were kids. That was taboo. And this is a Bible, a thick Bible, and it's all done in cartoon, comic. Uh, just fascinating. And uh, so we took one to the place where we eat, and Joshua, a little kid, we, I think we were there when he was born, and now he's, uh, I, I don't know, maybe 12, 13, or something like that. And, and uh, he doesn't speak English a little bit, but uh, his dad does. Indio is uh, half Comanche and half Mexican. And uh, he was a bull rider, and he grew up rough, uh, and he found Jesus when he was in a prison there in Mexico and uh, gave his life to the Lord. And, and so it, we've been good friends. But anyway, we gave one to him because he speaks English. We showed up once, and here uh, his son. The day after we took it there, his son Joshua... Uh, kid, uh, he's there poring over this Bible, and uh, and Indio says, "Hey, listen to this." And he said, uh, uh, "Joshua, read from." It was in English. Read from the Bible, and he began to read, but he was saying it in Spanish. It was printed in English. He's saying it in Spanish. Uh, Indio said, "I never knew he could do that." Almost in tears, thinking that he could do that. And so he is spending all his time learning English through reading the Bible. And uh, so uh, there's hope there, things that have given us hope. He wrote last night and said, hope we can make it to church, uh, to Pastor Mario's church, the place where I preached when we were down there. And so uh, hope we can make it there tomorrow. And that's my hope. Sometimes that's the way we use the word hope. In fact, most of the time, don't we use the word that way? I hope these seeds grow. I hope it produces fruit. I hope, you know, and we kind of think of it as maybe or it might happen or we're, we, we think it will but when God uses the word hope, it is used differently. It is a sure hope. Why? Because when God says it, it is sure. It is going to happen. In Scripture, we have the blessed hope. It's something that is sure. I went to the dictionary, and it says trust, reliance, yes. An expectation of fulfillment, a promise for the future. Uh, in Scripture, it's a hope of the promise. Rejoice in the hope. We are saved by hope, God of hope. Now abideth faith, hope, and charity, the hope of the gospel, the hope of salvation, the hope of eternal life, which God promised, the hope we have as an anchor for our soul. It is a sure hope in Scripture, no matter how we might use it, because we are humans, it is probably, I, 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 maybe it will, maybe it won't. You know, I've made promises that did not uh, that I did not keep. Sometimes I just forget that I made the promise, or sometimes I forget what it was that I promised. What did I promise to do? But not God. It is a sure hope. It's a powerful word, and uh, one that we ought not to live without. It says here 
in verse 13, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning your moms and dads, your brothers and sisters, your partners, your, your workers, fellow workers in the church, which are asleep. And we all know that he said, which died. They're really concerned. They're worried about this because uh, they were waiting for Jesus to come back. And they said, Paul, what's going to happen? Mom and dad, they died. And, uh, and, and Jesus isn't here. What happened to them? And he goes on to explain that. that he didn't want them to be without hope. And uh, I have seen people without hope. Hope. Normally it shows up at funerals, people that have no hope. And we had Gene Mutterman's funeral yesterday and right here, and there was hope. I mean, the sure hope. And so it changed. There's a difference between a funeral for a, a lost person and a funeral for a believer. There is hope for the believer. A man without hope, with no hope. It's a sad, pathetic thing. It was about, uh, about six years ago now. Had a funeral for a family. They called me. I did not know them, but, but I met with the family, and they said, yes, uh, 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 our brother was a believer, and he passed away, and he wanted the Baptist church, the Baptist pastor, to do his funeral. And I did not know the family here in town. I did not know them, so I got to know them a little bit before the funeral. Uh, went out here. It was uh, a cemetery north of here, and so uh, I'm out of Merrifield. And so I went to the, the cemetery and um, got there, and we had the funeral for the, the brother of these kids, and he was about my age. And his mom was there, and uh, boy, we got talking and assured me. I was talking to the mom, and she said, well, most of my kids have become believers. Okay, good. And so I preached the funeral. Three days later, I got a phone call. Mom had a heart attack, passed away. So back to the cemetery uh, the next week. Here we are. And I got there early so I could review my notes and backed into a stall there. I was the first one there. And then a van came and parked next to me, and, and uh, in it were the siblings, the brothers and sisters of the first one. And they're there, and they're in the van, and they're arguing. I, you know, I look, and they're arguing, and, you know, it's not a good sign. I know what's going on, thinking what, what's happening, and they... And finally, they get out, and, and uh, three of them storm down the hill to the grave plot, to the casket. And the, lone, the driver is sitting there all by himself. And so, okay. And I got ready to go, stepped out. And as soon as I stepped out, the guy got out of the van. And he came around. He was a tall guy. He came around, and he said, uh, Pastor Dave, I don't want you to preach any of that Jesus stuff. I don't want you to preach about heaven because you and I both know that when we die, we die like a buck. I thought, oh, man, I, 
I said, well, you might believe that. I do not. I believe in heaven. I believe that uh, your mom is going there because she gave me her salvation, uh, uh, her uh, testimony. And he looked at me and he slapped me two times on the cheek. It wasn't to hurt me, and it didn't hurt that way. It was just, and he said, "Well, you do what you say, what you think you need to say." And then he stormed down the hill. And then I didn't storm down the hill. <laughs> I went down the hill. And I got down there, and apparently some of his, his brothers and sisters were, had watched what had taken place because he must have told them what he was going to say. And they came up to me and surrounded me and said, don't, don't listen to him. He, he's not a believer. He doesn't... Uh, and. Uh, so I, I started to preach the sermon and preached what God had laid on my heart. And I'm preaching and, and getting into the message, and he jumps up out of his chair because the family, they were sitting in chairs, and the other visitors, the friends who were standing behind, and he jumped out of his chair, and he's sobbing. And he, he stands up, and he comes, he comes up to the casket, and he says, Mom, Mom, forgive me. I had stopped preaching when he did that. And uh, forgive me. I am sorry. I never told you that I loved you. And then he sat down and just sobbed. And I'm supposed to finish my message. Uh, and so I finished my message Finish preaching. Here was a man without hope. Man without hope. Don't be a person without hope, folks. That's what Paul is saying here. And he answers four questions about this hope. Four questions that I hope that you will also receive the answers for this morning. Especially if you're here without hope. And you might be. I'm not here saying you're here without a... Uh, church membership, or you're here without being baptized, or you're here without uh, being good, or you're here without uh, even being a part of this church. I, I, that doesn't matter. I'm saying hope doesn't come from all of those things. Uh, hope comes from what Paul talks about in this passage, and he says, I don't want you to be people without hope. And in this passage, I want to, I've looked at this a number of times, so have you, and normally when I preach this passage, it's to tell us and to excite us and say, hey, Jesus is coming back, and it might be today, and it might be, and I prayed this morning, please, Lord, come back before I have to preach this message, and he hasn't come back yet, but I still love him. I still love you, Lord. I do. Uh, and normally I say, man, this is going to be the catching away. It's going to come, and it's going to come soon. And, and uh, because I usually say, I'm so excited because, because of the election, I think the Lord's going to come back sooner. You know, thank you, Jesus. This is, this is good, the most exciting time. And I tell uh, down in Mexico, I was telling people, hey, this has been the most exciting year of my life. And it's going to get more exciting now. 
in this next year as we see all of these things taking place. This is exciting, and normally when I preach this, it's, I preach it for verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive, and I, and I would like, I, I'm hoping it is me, then me which is alive, And remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what I'm hoping, and that's why I usually preach this message. And we call it the rapture um, because it's the catching away, and the Latin for catching away is is very close to rapture, and that's how we have the word. But uh, that's normally how I preach this. But I want us to take today and say, hey, let's be people with hope. And so four questions. Uh, what does hope do for those who possess it? How can we possess this hope? What is the promise of this hope? And who guarantees this hope? And maybe, uh, maybe you, hopefully you know the answers to all of those questions. If you don't, here's an opportunity to hear 1 Thessalonians 14, verses 13 and 18. What does hope do for the one who possesses it? Verse 13, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that have died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Uh, yeah, a funeral, we, we sorrow. I mean, it's, it's something is wrong if there's not some sorrow. But he's not talking about the sorrow, normal sorrow that you have. He is talking to a people who are sorrowing because they do not know what happened to mom and dad or brother or sister. What happened? They missed Jesus. And uh, they're without hope. He says, we don't sorrow. If we're believers, we don't need to sorrow. What does this hope do? It softens our sorrows. It softens our sorrows, not just at funerals, but it softens our sorrows when we go to the doctor and we get his report. It softens our sorrows when uh, the person we voted for doesn't win. It softens our sorrows when we have the COVID test. Um, We had to have a COVID test before we could fly back home, you know, down there, a nice little inter- called an international hospital, and and it was uh, uh, we we had to go have the COVID test down there. You know, I have had it here too, but down there uh, they use a piece of barbed wire and just <laughs> just one barb on the end, and uh, they put it up. The first time it came out my eye, and then. You know, you pull it back in, and then he, may, then he was able to get it to the brain and take that and, and hold it there. Uh, I don't want to scare you. I'm just joking. It's, it, it wasn't quite that bad. Uh, don't ask Cindy. She'll scare you. Um, but uh, it, it calms or it softens our sorrows or comforts our hearts. It calms our fears. And we've got lots of fears, don't we? We shouldn't. But it seems that this is the age for fear. Uh, We fear uh, who wins. We fear uh, the losses. We fear the diseases. We fear the uh, variants. We fear the... And that's the 
the purpose of the media today is to generate fear. So don't listen because it just brings us fear. And hope softens our sorrows and calms our fears uh, when we have personal conflict or family problems. Realize God is in control. God is in control. Something bad happens, say, thank you, Jesus, you're in charge. Thank you, Jesus, I'm not in charge. Thank you, Jesus, that you know what's best for me. And apparently, this is going to be best for me. Some way, I don't know, I don't understand it, but this is going to be best for me. Hope gives, a, a gives us something to live for and something to die with. Hope. How can you possess this hope? Verse 14 says, For if we believe... So apparently this is a choice. Everybody's not going to heaven. Everybody's not on their way just through different roads. Uh, it is, says if, and here is the way that you can have hope, otherwise you have no hope, if you believe that Jesus died, rose again. If you believe that. Then when you sleep, you sleep in Jesus. When you die, you die in Jesus, and God will bring you with him. And so uh, you believe. What do you believe? Oh, you believe all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And that the wage of that sin is death. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And why would Jesus die? Because God, the Father, loved the world so much that he sent his only beloved Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. That if we confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, that there's a righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation that we have believed. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's, the, that's what we receive uh, when we possess this hope. We can possess it by trusting Christ as our Savior. If you haven't done that, you have no hope. You say, well, I don't need any hope. And I've, I've heard some declare that I am fine just the way I am. I don't need Jesus. Oh, they might not know they need Jesus until they die, and then they will find out they needed to know Jesus. But then it is too late. Third question, what's the promise of this hope? The second part of verse 14. The promise is those which sleep, those that have died, your moms and dads, your, your uh, siblings... Uh, they fell asleep believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, then God will bring them with him, Christ will bring them with him when he comes back to call the rest of us off the earth. That's what he says. When the Lord descends with heaven, they come with him. They're going to remain with him, not just for this time uh, on this earth, but for all eternity. And that's the hope that we have when we seek the Savior. That's the promise that we're given. When we die, we will be with Jesus. 
And sometimes it tells us that the angels uh, take us to Christ. Uh, Jesus uh, says that uh, he's building a place for us and he'll come again and receive us into his, into his self so that where he is, we will be also. And uh, here he's in this passage, he's talking about coming and letting the archangel shout and blow in the trumpet. And he's in the clouds and he draws all the believers to himself before the tribulation time. Because the tribulation time is a time that judgment and wrath, God's wrath is poured out upon the earth. And he's not going to do that on his bride. And that's what we are, his bride. And so he catches us away. And that's the promise uh, that he gives of this hope. And then, uh, lastly, who guarantees this hope? (laughs) I, I don't. I can't guarantee anything. Uh, I, I don't like to sell anything. If I sell anything, you know, if I sell a vehicle to somebody, I say, hey, you know, uh, the blinker doesn't work, and sometimes the brakes squeak, and and uh, uh, the door handle doesn't. You have to, uh, you know, because I, I I want them to know, hey, this could fall apart. I don't. You, you drive it away. If it falls apart, I don't want you to feel bad or, or think badly of me. Because, but I can't guarantee anything, but God can. And so when it says in uh, verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. It doesn't say, and this I say unto you by my word, Paul, the Apostle Paul. And I'm not saying by this I say this unto you. This is a guarantee because Pastor Dave says so. No, it isn't because Pastor Dave says so. It's because the Lord says so. The word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord will always be fulfilled. The promises he make will always take place. And, uh, and so the hope stands on the word of God, not on anything less than the word of God. So, verse 18, we can comfort one another with these words. Now, that's the comfort. These words are from God. So I finish preaching the message at the funeral to a man without hope. He disappeared, and I, the family comes, and they do their general, uh, thank you, thank you. It, it brought comfort. It's good to know, and whatever. And, and then I left them, gathered together to say their last goodbyes to, at this time, it's their mom. And uh, I walk up the hill. I get up to my vehicle and notice the van next to me. The door has been slid open, and here is this man with no hope. He's sitting on the, not the running board, but he's sitting in the van with feet on the ground. He's got his hand, a head in his hands, and he's sobbing. And I sit down next to him. I say, what's, what's the matter? And he said, I've got AIDS, and I don't have long to live a man here in Brainerd, and he's sobbing. And I don't remember if he said it, but I know he was living out no hope, no hope, no hope. But there is hope, and there was hope for him. And he heard the words of hope two times, at his brother's funeral and at his mom's funeral. 
Then he heard it three times as we sat there. There is hope. It doesn't matter. We, we're all going to die. It doesn't matter that you're going to die this year. And you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and have eternity to spend with him and with your mom and your brother. A man with hope. I, only God knows if he accepted that hope. He did pray. He desired hope, and I pray that he received that hope. And he did not live much longer. Don't leave here without hope. Don't be the man with no hope. God gives it, offers it, extends it to us, each one. Let's pray. Father. Lord, I, I do not know what happened to that man. But I do know from your word that we looked at today that if he meant what he said, that he's with you. And maybe you have given him an opportunity to watch from heaven just these few minutes, to maybe have a smile on his face, and that he can draw close to you and say, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you that I heard that there is hope in Jesus Christ. But Lord, I, I pray that if there's one here that does not have that hope, that the Holy Spirit might just be poking them with barbed wire and saying, you need Jesus. Before I finish praying, keep your, eye, your head bowed, but I want to know, maybe there's somebody here that would just lift your hand and say, and you don't need to say it out loud, but by lifting your hand, I need that hope. Or maybe you would say, I just prayed and asked Jesus to forgive me and save me, and I have that hope now. And you'd be confessing it with your hand, not with your mouth, but at least you'd be confessing it. Anybody here this morning? Say, Lord, would you say, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm without hope right now. Any? Lord, I pray that each individual here this morning has a personal relationship with a living Lord, thus having eternal life. I will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.